Welcome to Res Talk, your source for the latest news, opinions, and training from top building performance, rating, and auditing experts. Here's your host, committed building science enthusiast and registered professional engineer, Bill Spohn. Welcome back to another episode of the Res Talk podcast. Time marches on, and so do the changes in the demographics of buyers. What are the characteristics of home buyers, especially those that buy HERS rated homes? How can those in the HERS industry align with the factors important to the new wave of home buyers? Well, we're back with Ryan Mears, who's program manager at ResNet. You've heard his voice here before in the podcast. He's known for doing his research, collecting the data, and turning it into useful information for us. No letdown this time. He's done it again. Please listen in as Ryan dives into the characteristics and culture of Generation Y. They now make up the largest, that's 37%, largest category of home buyers. It'll be no surprise that their use of internet research factors in large to the discussion. From understanding the process of home buying to learning about home features, equipment, materials, to checking environmental aspects of housing and the builder, there's a lot going on that happens on the internet. You can learn more about the app we discussed that helps you align your values with your choices, your consumer choices. There's a link in the notes for that. And you can also learn more about the other factors of this topic by visiting Brian's blog post on cracking the millennial code. The link for that's in the show notes, as well as the National Association of Realtors 2021 Generational Trends Report. Got a link there in the show notes. And Morgan Stanley Sustainable Signals Report. There's a link for that too. If you're not able to attend, if you were not able to attend the 2022 ResNet Conference, please be sure to look at attending the virtual conference to learn more about the topics of ESG and water, HERS H2O, which were referenced in this podcast. And there's a link again in the show notes about the virtual conference at this time. So let's listen in as Ryan describes for us who are the buyers of HERS rated homes and what is driving their decisions. Good morning, Ryan. Hey, good morning, Bill. Good to have you back. You're always the data guy. You research things, <laughs> you collect data, but you turn it into information. That's what I like about having you on the podcast is you come backed up with all kinds of data. This is really great. It really appeals to me. I hope it appeals to some of the listeners. <laughs> I used to have a bumper sticker on the back of my car saying, I love spreadsheets. So you know where I'm coming from. Okay, good, good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now we got to turn that spreadsheet into a podcast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> If you could just break it down, coming from like the large demographic information for all home buyers, what is the trend? What's going on? Yeah. So the National Association of Realtors publishes a couple of different reports each year that look at demographics of home buyers and sellers. And currently the largest generation of home buyers are millennials. Millennials are roughly ages 22 to 40. They often break it out into two segments, the younger millennials and the older millennials, but they represent 37% of all home buyers. The next largest generation, which is Generation X, roughly people in their mid 40s to mid 50s are at 24%. So millennials have just within the last two years, I believe, have become the largest generation of home buyers. Is there anything happening with people continuing to lease or rent? Is there anything in there from the NAR? Yeah, they do have some information about that. Actually, there are 
a lot of people that are still renting. And one of the reasons for that is because, of course, they want to look at why aren't people buying homes. Naturally, the association that represents people that sell homes wants to know why aren't more people buying them. And one of those reasons is student loans that are keeping people from being able to buy homes. But also, as rents increase, it becomes harder for those that are renting to save the money for a down payment on a home. So there are significant numbers that are still renting, and there's many reasons why. So what's the little bit further into the detail, the makeup of the millennials? What's some more data on their background, and what tools do they use to buy homes? One of the other findings was that 63% of millennials found the home that they purchased on the internet. And 97% of all buyers use the internet in some way to search for homes. So by and large, people are obviously using the internet. And I think that the pandemic has really forced builders to take more advantage of how they're selling homes and what people can see online. So when it comes to new homes, you're seeing builders trying to really make that buying process a lot easier, easier for people to get in, to go on their website and do virtual tours and even buy a home straight online. So I think the pandemic has really forced that even more and forced builders to adapt to that change. One of my daughters is looking at homes and we get texts all the time with links to all those typical Zillow, Redfin, Trulia sites. And it's very easy to look at that and to get information about it. We'll focus in now on Gen Y since they do represent such a large leading group. What are some of the things that are influencing what they buy, what they look at? In general, the millennial culture is much more focused on environmental practices. So 70% of millennials say that a company's environmental practices actually impact their purchasing decisions. And 83% say that it's important that the companies that they buy from align with their values. And what it really boils down to, as far as millennials go, is that they care about the company and not just the product. So it's becoming unacceptable within the millennial culture to say that a company produces a great product, but is it a great company? It's not just about whether the product is good, but does the company align with the values that that person has? And there's actually an app that was created, and it was actually created by some veterans from the energy efficiency industry, and it's called eCountable. And it's launched recently, but their stated mission is to connect people with the companies that share their values. So you can download this app and then go on there and select the values that are important to you, whether that's climate change or the environment or business integrity or community support or racial equality or human rights. You can select how basically on a scale of those, what is the most important. And then they can show you companies that align with those values. So it's even driving that millennial culture even further into really aligning themselves with a company that supports their values. And home builders should definitely hear that message. And that also drives back to the internet as being the delivery mechanism for that information. So companies should take heed and take a look at eCountable. E-C-O-U-N-T-A-B-L is the app. And learn how to get listed if you want to continue to attract customers, buyers. So home is a big investment for people. And I think more and more people are treating the home as one of the largest investments they make, but they're also interested in other 
just where do they park their cash? Where do they put their money? How does that play in? Or what are the parallels here with where millennials or Gen Y is investing? Especially as you start looking at the second generation of the millennials, the second half, the older half of the millennial generation that are starting to invest, many of them into their mid to late 30s. They're starting to invest. Two-thirds of millennials right now are already practicing sustainable investing. And this comes from the Morgan Stanley Sustainable Signals Report that they produce each year that looks at sustainable investing. And 99% of millennials in that survey said that they're interested in sustainable investing. And 79% of the general population also has that interest. So millennials are really looking toward not only their financial investments, but their home is an extension of that. And some other data that we can look at also points in that direction of what millennials are interested in as far as green and energy efficient homes. That should characterize or have some bullet points and things that companies who are trying to attract buyers, what should they do? What can they do to make this situation better for them? One thing that we're seeing builders doing now, and some of this is, what's interesting is what builders are starting to, especially the large production builders, they're really starting to understand the importance of their environmental impact, of reporting their CO2 reductions based on building PERS-rated homes. As they start to produce their environmental reports each year, part of that is what's going to attract a millennial. If it's important to them, it's something that they value and where the research shows that it is, then builders need to have that as part of their image. We build a great product. We build a HERS-rated home. This is how it affects the environment. And then on the investor side, they're starting to also feel this pressure. The large builders that rely on, in some cases, large investors, they're also feeling the push on that side to demonstrate their carbon footprint and other environmental practices. And so it really gets at what builders need to do to attract that crowd is build a great product, but also be a great company that is sustainable, that has good environmental practices, and then be able to also convey that message to potential buyers. Yeah, communication. (laughs) And in the medium where people are looking, which is the internet and perhaps even apps and things like that. And I've had guests on the podcast, as you know, there's a lot of great teaming between Raiders and the builders that they work with in terms of the Raiders being very intimate with the knowledge that can help drive the builder to communicate those values. And a lot of them show up in lower her scores are some of the values that people are looking for. So it's trying to draw that relationship to create that thread. So I would encourage any Raiders listening who have, this can help build your builder relationship, put it that way. Yeah, exactly. You're going to help them and they're going to bring you more business because you're helping them communicate what the market's looking for. And often a Raider, correct me if I'm wrong, a Raider doesn't interact too much with the customer. Yeah, that's right. A Raider's not going to put this kind of stuff on their website, but they need to make sure the builder conveys this in a way that communicates well and stays on top of trends. Definitely, yeah. A great role for the Raider is to ensure that they're properly messaging the benefits of their home, and Raiders can certainly help builders to do that. You mentioned some reports and studies. Is there any place, like a link for this? Is there a blog post coming out or, or anything going on here where people can study a little further? Interestingly, I wrote an article a few years ago that's on the ResNet website called Cracking the Millennial Code. Ah. It was done just before millennials became the largest home buying segment, but they were on the increase. And the purpose of that 
article was really to provide some insight to builders on what drives millennials and what makes them tick and where they find their information and that kind of thing. So it's still valuable information with the caveat it's dated a little bit. I'll research that link and put it in the show notes so anyone listening can pick up on that. Yeah. And the other ones are the National Association of Realtors, their home buyer and seller generational trends report, and also the Morgan Stanley Sustainable Signals report. And that's produced each year. And so is the NAR report. So you did touch on a little bit before when we talked about those that aren't buying that make up the subset of the Gen Y or society that isn't buying. Want to delve into a little bit more of what expenses are delaying home purchases? As far as millennials go, 89% actually said that student loans are one of the things that delayed them in being able to purchase a home. And that could be for a number of reasons. Well, whether it's in most cases, it's because they had trouble being able to put enough money aside for a down payment delayed how much they could put aside for a down payment. And 43% said that saving for a down payment was the most difficult part of the buying process. But there's also, there's a number of other expenses that are also mentioned in there. And that includes high rent, credit card debt, childcare expenses, and also healthcare costs as reasons why each of these generations, and the report goes into more detail about, it breaks down each of the generations and which of those items they rated highly as affecting or delaying their home purchase. So there's a number of expenses that are listed, but that's some of the ones that delayed purchasing, at least for the millennial generation. You could summarize that by saying life, right? Yeah, pretty much. Life got in the way of being able to save money by a home. And I know, again, from personal experience that first-time home buyers are actually, if your credit score is good, you can actually do 3% down. So there's some things that are the mortgage market is looking at facilitating and, and adapting to these trends. Yeah. Don't forget about a seller concession too. When I purchased my home about seven years ago, and of course I fall into the millennial generation, the older side of it, but the millennial generation, and we did use a seller concession to assist with our down payment. To balance that off are the other aspects of life, which is where you're living now, what you're doing now. Why would buyers start to look at a new home from moving either from a existing construction or past used home that they're in or renting? What drives them to choose a new home? One of the biggest reasons that buyers choose new homes is to avoid renovations. And it doesn't get into detail of why that is, but you can assume that many millennials are very busy, especially if they have young families. And doing renovations is a significant undertaking. So they choose to purchase a new home so they don't have to do renovations or run into problems with plumbing and or electricity, which are two of the things that are specifically referenced in the report. And what's interesting is that it is as the demographic trends younger, they have a higher propensity to want to purchase a new home. So the youngest of the millennial generation, roughly from age 22 to 30, 61% of them said that they are going to choose to buy a new home to avoid renovations or other plumbing or electrical problems in the house. Repairs, upgrades, things like that. Get away from problems. Yep. And the ability to customize design features and perhaps take advantage of new technologies, new materials, new equipment, and anything within the electrification, that phrase, does that play in at all that you come across? It did a little bit. Primarily, it was a smart home and also green and energy efficient. It seemed to be somewhat interchangeable among the younger generations. I think they see 
a smart home as one that is green and that is more energy efficient. I think they kind of lump that in. And what's interesting about the green and energy efficiency side is that, again, as the age trends lower, the importance of green and energy efficient features in a home increases. So for millennials, the youngest of that generation, 22 to 30, a quarter of them said that green energy efficiency is the reason that they're going to choose a new home as opposed to an existing home. And as the demographic gets older, that percentage drops as to why they would choose a new home. I've noticed myself, I was interviewed on this podcast by Laurel Elam about the house that I built. And it was in episode 73, if anyone wants to catch that. And I'm starting to get questions from all around the country, from all different generations, but asking about features, asking about new things. And I think there's this web of interconnection that's happening. And I'll go back and say that the Hirsch Raider can be the reliable source of information because there's probably a lot of things out there that are less than reliable and could either dissuade or encourage someone to make a bad decision. So again, Hirsch Raiders, you know your stuff, get out there and share. <laughs> yes, definitely. You've done the modeling for the house and everything that's in, that is in it. So don't be shy. <laughs> and you know all the options available in the design and selection process. Yeah. The impact of choices on the efficiency of the home. Exactly. Yeah. Invaluable resource for that. <laughs> you shared with me some details on this before, and this is not really too complicated, but there's a slide talking about environmentally friendly features considered to be very important. This is from the NAR, National Association Realtor Study. Can you go through that? And maybe with a focus perhaps on the Gen Y. Basically, once you eliminate commuting costs, as one of the environmentally friendly features that are considered very important. And that's basically until you get to the retiree age group, commuting costs are very important and certainly among the millennial generation. But once you get that out of the way, so that's kind of the top one that comes in in that survey. Then you start looking at things like heating and cooling costs, which are very important. And heating and cooling costs is actually, when you look at all buyers, that is the number one environmentally friendly feature that they consider to be very important. And that was a third of all buyers said that was very important to them. And then a few other things that come in. The next one that was generally across just about every demographic was windows, doors, and siding. And that one is followed by energy efficient lighting, which is interesting that that came up there. And then another interesting is what people didn't say was very important to them. And solar panels actually came in there. Solar panels being installed on the home is actually one of the lowest rated features that they consider very important. And that's across just about all demographics. It's not a cure-all for housing problems. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's right. I think like some of this, I'll just relate something I'm becoming more familiar with is the experience of living in a better home. If you don't experience it, you don't know what you're missing. It's sort of like when you go to the airport and you rent a brand new car and you have a 12-year-old clunker you've been driving around and you go, holy cow, this is really nice. I want one of these. Exactly. And you start to see those features. I know when I rented a car a few years ago and it had the thing that basically when you're driving on the highway, it tells you if you're going to run into another car when you change lanes. And my car didn't have that. And I was like, oh, that's an interesting feature. It actually got to be a little bit annoying. So I thought, but maybe I don't want this feature in the next car that I buy. But it, you're right. It, when you get a chance to try those things out, it's like if you go to rent an Airbnb and you realize that the home has some really cool features, you start to get interested in having them. 
Yeah, so that's part of the vicarious experience. And then there's the research or the, the mental experience. And that's, again, where builders and realtors take heed to this kind of thing to encourage people to look at these types of changes and solutions. You can narrow down to specifically HERS-rated homes by virtue of a study. Can you tell us about that? This study is slightly dated, but it's still important for a couple of reasons. It was done by Freddie Mac. It was published in December of 2019, and it used data. I believe they used HERS data through 2017 as part of that study, so basically from 2013 to 2017. Among other things, they looked at home values, and they did find that there was a an increase in value for HERS-rated homes. And as the home got more efficient, there was an even higher increase in value. So that was one of the things they looked at. But they also looked at some demographic things. And one of those was to see who was buying HERS-rated homes. And what they did find is that Generation X was actually, at that time, was the largest purchaser of HERS-rated homes. And they bought almost 50% of all HERS-rated homes. And then millennials came in second, and they bought about roughly one-third of all HERS-rated homes were purchased by millennials. And you got to think that that's a pretty significant number, especially because it was at a time when millennials were still not the largest generation of home buyers, but they were purchasing a lot of HERS-rated homes. So it was clear even several years ago, talking about homes that were purchased in 2017 or earlier, that millennials were still at that time purchasing HERS-rated homes at a significant level. So that's the only data that we have specifically looking at the buyers of HERS-rated homes. And that was, again, done by Freddie Mac, published in 2019, December of 2019. This episode will air just after the conference. Are there any materials, things that happened at the conference that you know of at this time that you could reference people to either maybe perhaps the virtual element or? There is going to be at least one, probably multiple, one session that I'm involved with that will look at environmental, social, and governance factors and how HERS ratings and HERS data can be used by builders to report on their environmental footprint, essentially. So that's one thing that will happen that does also touch on the importance to millennials as far as uh, environmental issues go in the building industry. Very good. And we've talked a lot about water, excuse me, we've talked a lot about energy, but water. (laughs) You and I have talked a lot about water. (laughs) We have talked a lot about water, yes. (laughs) Yeah, I wouldn't want to go without touching on water. And there's also going to be several sessions at the conference that they get into HERS H2O and WaterSense version two. I think it's important to close out with waters because there are a lot, you start talking about the environmental impact of energy, but water is becoming increasingly more important when you start talking about jurisdictions that are putting moratoriums on new construction because of a lack of water. Tap fees are exceeding $40,000 per home because these water districts need funding to be able to accommodate more homes and new sources for water. And so it becomes a very big concern. And I think that as far as home buyers go, it's going to become an increasingly important aspect of home buying, especially in those regions where water is scarce or very expensive. You cited to me beforehand some articles like in Builder online talking about the concern for permitting the infrastructure aspects and uh, the costs involved with the future in water. 
yeah, Builder Magazine has been doing some great research. I published a few good articles on the impact of water in the home building industry. Yeah. As always, pleasure having you here, Ryan. In my book, your middle name is Data. What is your actual middle name? <laughs> it's Patrick. Patrick, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe like a third name, <laughs> a second middle name. So. Yeah. <laughs> I really appreciate it again, Ryan. Thanks for coming on the podcast and sharing with us this important information. Great. Thanks for having me on, Bill. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Res Talk Podcast. If you're a pro in the building market, surf on over to resnet.us forward slash professional to learn more or join the email list. You can also find ResNet on Facebook or Twitter. Quote for today by Daniel Keyes Moran. You can have data without information, but you cannot have information without data. And again, Brian did not fail to deliver. If you want to feedback to ResNet on what you heard here today, want to hear a new topic covered, or just have a general question, please send an email to info at resnet, R-E-S-N-E-T dot U-S. If you're not subscribed, please do so. And as always, thank you for listening to Res Talk. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Res Talk podcast. This podcast is hosted by Bill Spohn and is a production of ResNet, the Residential Energy Services Network. The best way to listen to this podcast is to subscribe on an iPhone using the podcast app or on an Android device by downloading the Stitcher app and searching for ResTalk. If you are willing, a review on iTunes of the podcast app will help others find the show and would be very much appreciated. We look forward to talking again soon on ResTalk. Talk.